birthday. Yes, yes, yes. And yes, then yes. it became Heritage Day. And then in 2016, it was decided to change it to Friday. That's all I know. Was that official? Changing it to Friday, okay. Not sure, not sure, not sure, not sure. Uh, good evening. Uh, yeah. Yo, yeah, it's with the Yeah, Hey, Poko Haram. Hey, yeah, Send us through uh, more of your voice notes there, colleagues and uh, friends, because hey, yeah, yeah, in Adlende, I'm a faras in a Poko Haram and Mamelodi. Yeah, might not be confined to Mamelodi, but uh, you heard in that voice note, Diabua, Diabua. Yes, when I am driving on the road, mm. you know, paying monies for stupid things, um, you know, on the road because of these guys. Yeah, why can't they do the real job, man? Go after criminals. Hmm. You know, we have such a generalized state of lawlessness sometimes in our society, right? Uh, I mean, I'm thinking of this story now. This gentleman is mentioning in that voice note. Is all we had played in our community focus. The city of Cape Town saying they wanna put out on tender. I think it was Malusi Boy, one of the MMCs there. They want to go out on tender for a security contract. Now, I mean, I'm sitting here saying, yeah, well, you've got two enforcement, uh, two law enforcement forces in that metro, right? The police service and, of course, uh, the metro uh, uh, entity there. It just doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, but yeah, I guess, you know, um, hey, outsourcing, you buy outsourcing. But. Look, I mean, give us some of your thoughts on this issue because um, I guess, you know, the sense that people feel like there's very low barriers to entry into protection rackets where they can go and say, if you don't pay 400 rand a day or 40 rand a day or 50 rand a day, if you're not going to access, you know, the place where you normally operate uh, or we're going to break into your place and therefore you're really going to need that security. I mean, it's the law of the jungle. The wild, wild west, the movie, film. Long. 11 minutes it is and uh, yeah yeah let's do that properly um i mustn't think because we're speaking to marty that it's the smme one take a listen to this this evening we uh, speak to uh, marty mudisa vice chairperson of uh, simudisa and uh, a founding ceo of raha africa holdings uh, speaking to uh, her about uh, the uh, sa startup act white paper that's been put together here uh, by uh, simudisa which is the secretariat of this i for policy endeavor silicon cape the venture capital uh, association loud hailer and digital collective africa marty good evening and welcome Hi, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Can't complain. How are you? I'm well, thank you. It's been a while. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yes, indeed. Marty, let's maybe start off here just uh, briefly. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, a white paper. When we talk about a white paper, green paper and uh, all of these things, what are we talking about? Well, we're setting the tone. We're setting... Now, I mean, I'm quite interested, I guess, because one might argue that, uh, you know, the startup act you guys are working on here, there's already a you know, a, a piece of legislation that establishes, you know, the Department of Small Business Development. What about the existing legislation doesn't give adequate treatment or coverage to the issues that you're raising in this draft white paper? Well, seeing that you've mentioned South Africa, so, so, South Africa is not currently attractive for So, them. Mati, let me try and understand. So, is mm. this primarily focused at high-growth startups uh, who, I guess, in the mold of you know, the language of startup ecosystems in places like Silicon Valley 
uh, I would even say, I guess, in, in parts of the Western Cape as well, would be seen as these very high-value startups with uh, potential for scale. So it's actually a subset of the small business space or broadly the startup space. 100%. So these are high-growth, high-impact. They're not big business like uh, a discovery. They're not uh, micro-businesses like you would find in you know the mom's-and-pop shops. These are innovation-driven. So intellectual property is quite important. Research and development is quite a key component. Mm. Early-stage fund, uh, funding is quite important. Mm. Um, and in essence, the current, as it stands, the current um, legislation does not accommodate it, does not necessarily identify or articulate or even define it. So we're saying we're not trying to reinvent the wheel because South Africa has a lot of legislations. I mean, if you had to go look at the Department of Science and Technology, there are some incentives around research and development. But how do we collaborate that? Because we know that in South Africa, we have a lot of great legislation, but it doesn't really come together. So as an ecosystem of innovation-driven startups, we're saying, how do we ensure that what South Africa already has to offer, we're mm. able to then put it together to be able to nurture these high-impact hypos so that if you're a startup and you're wanting to start like an innovation-driven business, you know exactly how it is you're going to get incentives, yeah. you're going to get funding, you're going to get incubation and acceleration mm. because it's clearly identified and it's unified throughout everything that South Africa has to offer. So, so where do you see the policy gaps? Um, I mean, I guess you've, you've mentioned them implicitly, but I want us let, let's sort of tease these out. Um, so you're saying... Exist. Pardon? <laughs> Yeah, it, it kind of doesn't exist. And I think for us, it's just how do we consolidate more than anything else um, with whatever that exists, without, with whatever that we've identified as lacking. So early stage investments, um, for example, if you, had, if you had to look at venture capital in South Africa, it's non-existent, right? Um, at some point, we have the SMME, uh, the SASMME fund, which in essence, was supposed to be a hybrid between the public and the private sector coming together mm. to create more early-stage investing. Um, but then, as it stands, it's more the private sector that's putting money towards um, investing in early-stage ideas. So it's how do well, we then consolidate um, everything? I, I'm not sure about that, Marty. I mean, I think a lot what of What are them, you not sure about? A lot of them, when you say, you know, it's only the private sector that's put money down, I mean, a lot of them have done so responding to incentives that have been put in place by government. I mean, would you not say? Which incentives? Maybe you could mention one that we well, could look, look into they've just continued and see what's working and perhaps yeah. we should stop complaining about the government not necessarily aiding early stage investments. Maybe you could mention that. Okay. So, I mean, one example would be the 12J one and we can have the discussion. I think your members, one of your <laughs> members here, the Venture Capital Association might want to feed into It's quite an interesting one because... Mm. It's, okay, fine, there has been a lot of abuse, right? It was an incentive for people to invest in early stage um, companies, Mm. and there was a level of abuse, but we are seeing as an industry, instead of cancelling it altogether, why don't you revive it? Why don't you put more restrictions uh, towards those Mm. who are able or willing to kind of, um, you know, abuse that particular incentive instead of cancelling it altogether. So, I mean, you make a very good example of Section 12J, but as an industry saying, don't cancel it. Just kind of tighten up and ensure that it's not open to abuse and the money is supposed to go to early stage investors instead of people investing in properties and all the other things that we do. I would add another one there, Section 12I, which is an investment allowance that, um, you know, in many ways doesn't expressly exclude 
many of the early stage innovation driven firms that you're talking about, uh, especially when they're going to make capital investments in their innovations. But Mati, mm-hmm. I want us to pause here for a second. We'll take a quick spot break. When we come back, uh, I want us to unpack, I guess, what's out there. But also, there's a bit of a um, contradiction here because, I mean, if you look at some of the global indices, they say South Africa has very deep and sophisticated capital markets. Uh, but mm-hmm. also we're hearing that early stage, high growth enterprises are also starved of capital. So let's see how we reconcile that when we come back after this. 23 minutes it is after 8 p.m. I'm in conversation with uh, Mati Modise from uh, Simodisa. And uh, yeah, very fascinating process they've been involved in here. She's uh, vice chairperson of Simodisa and founding CEO of uh, Furaha Africa Holdings. And uh, yeah, they uh, put together a draft white paper here called the SA Startup Act. Uh, and uh, they've done this alongside i policy Endeavor South Africa, Silicon Cape, uh, South African Venture Capital Association, Loud Hailer, and the Digital Collective Africa. And Mati, just before we went to the break, I guess, uh, you know, we we're just talking through some of the um, instruments that might exist then. I think the point you're making is very important, which is that we probably don't, um, you know, do enough as a society, uh, least of all those who are in government who are supposed to be administering these things. Uh, to pop uh, to popularize them to make them things that are accessible i mean uh, i don't know until fairly recently there's something called the technology venture you know capital fund there's a cedar technology program so so there's all of these programs that maybe are sitting in very obscure places so i think i, I certainly take that point uh, but i'm yeah. quite interested i guess uh, 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 mati in uh, as you're saying that there's all of these issues around incubation acceleration that uh, you're targeting um, and you're saying that at an early stage one of the market failures is around venture capital. Now, I want to make sense of this. On the one hand, you've got very deep capital markets in South Africa, sophisticated financial infrastructure, uh, be it in your banking sector, in your capital markets and everywhere. And yet, if you compare South Africa even to its emerging market peers, our financial system broadly, I'm not only talking about government, but you know, even in the capital markets, does a very, very shoddy job uh, you know, in extending uh, capital or any lending to non-financial firms. Um, and I think maybe that's what you guys are also trying to deal with here. Yeah, sure. I mean, if you also have to look at the financial scale from South Africa, mm. I mean, the, the, uh, our chairman of Simodisa is um, the founder of Ticketal, which is a billion rand plus, you know, uh, South African entity. It's scaled on the continent, scaled out of Silicon Valley. But, you know, a few years ago, like about six years ago, Peter came back, the Davilius came back and said, I want to be able to grow Ticketal from South Africa, not from Silicon Valley. I want to be able to employ, set up shop, and contribute towards my economy and employ my own people. So things such as talent, our ability to, to I mean, now I'm, I'm kind of going into what the, the, the position people talks to, our ability to um, attract skills and necessary skills, mm-hmm. employment flexibility. You know, those are what some of the issues so, that... So we what, do you mean by, what do you mean by employment flexibility? I mean, just Well, I mean, if I'm a startup, which I am, you know, my company, Fura, we are a startup mm-hmm. company. Uh, we've been able to do well over the past couple of years. But then how I deal with labor-related issues is how Standard Bank would deal with labor-related issues. But Standard Bank is what has a whole um, HR department that mm-hmm. has a thousand people that are employed to deal with delinquent employees, uh, employees that are not arriving on time, employees that are stealing from you. But as a startup, I have to deal with the finances, with the marketing, with HR. And remember, having to deal with, like, you know, CCMA, it's not a nice thing. It could cripple you as a, as, as a startup. So we say just have some form of identification that when you are st- 
trying to grow as a business, mm. we can't be um, held accountable as a big business would, like a sure, standard bank sure. or a big organization. So have some considerations, and there are great global best practices of how mm. do you deal with nimble and small startups, and how do you still make sure that they do comply with labor regulation? Because South Africa is great when it comes to labor regulation, but if I'm a startup, it's 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 you know I don't have an incentive to actually yeah. employ more people. I'd rather That's have staff that are part time, that are flexible, yeah. versus have employing full time people because to get rid of them when they're stealing from you or they're delinquent, it's a huge task. So, Martin, Standard Bank has a whole Martin, HR department to deal with that. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, can we pause on that one? And I'll tell you why I I, I want us to maybe <laughs> unpack this one a bit further. One because I think it's a very controversial. Uh, perspective, uh, controversial insofar as it, you know, would polarize many of the social partners. I mean, if you would put that mm. into NEDLAC, uh, which is one of the areas where policy is deliberated on, uh, I can assure you there would be a, a lot of uh, back and forth around that particular matter. <laughs> but I think the second I know one... Talking about. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying the, the labor one that you're raising. Um, yeah. The, you know, this yeah. idea of having a different dispensation for smaller businesses when it comes to dispute resolution and issues of dismissal. Uh, mm. and, and I think it's an important issue to consider because I, I do think what you're suggesting is that the administrative burden of compliance um, doesn't allow these small businesses to be nimble when Standard Bank might have a floor of people whose job would be to deal with this matter. So certainly point taken. Um, what is your view, I guess, because I think it sits in different places. I mean, employment equity might say if you're employing less than 50 and your turnover is below at a certain level, you don't have to even bother. Uh, you can get, you know, uh, uh, I guess uh, an exemption on that. Are we suggesting, I guess, the same in terms of the dismissal provisions uh, or are you suggesting something different here? Mm. So, as I said, um, we as, as it stands, it's a draft. Mm. We've been able to put it out there and say, hey, these are the challenges. Let's talk. Let's work. Um, let's collaborate and let's, let's consolidate what South Africa yeah. has to have. Because it's 2021, right? 2030 is just around the corner. We want to see those 5% plus growth rates from South Africa. <laughs> but how do we do that if we're not enabling companies like a Sweet South, a Go One, and a, a, a Yoko? Because then we give them a, a disincentive to invest in South Africa and grow from South Africa and identify themselves as South Africans. We're tired of losing this kind of talent and uh, you know businesses that now have to go sniff around globally instead of saying how my government is actually supporting, it's contributing, it's investing in its own, um, it's created environments that are not disincentivizing them to go start somewhere else that's starting South Africa. And, and also how do, we, how do they give back to the economy by creating jobs um, by um, you know contributing towards the tax base, so there are a lot of pluses of the companies such as uh, innovation-driven companies such as the Sweet South. And I mean, if you had to look at Sweet South itself, it's mm-hmm. empowering domestic domestic workers, creating a technology okay. that connects domestic workers with the need that's out there in sure. the market. So the need, there's more, lots, lots more yeah. in other areas of the country, in township sure. environments, people that are coming up with solutions, but. Let's make sure that we're creating a conducive environment for them to grow out of South Africa and empower South Africa. Yeah, Mati, we can have the debate, I guess, around you know some of the examples <laughs> you mentioned. I mean, on equity grounds, I I have some some criticisms, um, and that's yeah. and that's not wrong. I mean, I think you know we, we can critically engage with the, the footprint of, of some of these businesses. Of course, but I think the point and I'm that you're making, have another conversation, um, but the point um, that you're making, Mati. The yeah. point that you're making is that uh, we need to strengthen the ecosystem so that we have more and more such startups having a better prospect of being able to uh, grow and, uh, I guess, reach the, the type of critical scale uh, that's needed to really have South African 
you know, homegrown, uh, globally competitive types of solutions. And uh, yeah, where can people get hold of the draft so that uh, I would think that you want them to see it and also engage with it? Awesome stuff, Marty. Uh, we're going to have to leave it there. A pleasure catching up with you and thank you very much for your time. It's an absolute pleasure. Mati Modise is uh, uh, yeah, with uh, Simudisa and uh, uh, also speaking to us. Uh, she's the vice chairperson of Simudisa and also founding CEO of Furaha Africa Holdings and uh, speaking to us uh, for our tech conversations on this advocacy process. Go check that out, uh, that SA Startup Act. And uh, yeah, uh, as uh, she's saying, I guess, uh, join that movement.